Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is Buckeye Futures Friday. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com along with Stephen Means. We are talking Ohio State recruiting again. We took kind of a week off because of the NFL draft, which is a different kind of recruiting. It's like post-recruiting recruiting NFL recruiting, the NFL version of it. And we're back to talking about Ohio State and what they have coming up in the future. And we're going to do sort of a week by week. I don't know if it'll be every week. It might get interrupted a little bit here and there. But we're going to do a series kind of breaking down position by position, where things stand with Ohio State as far as recruiting for 2022, for 2023, where things stand in the room and how that affects the recruiting. And we're starting off with running back. And it's an interesting position. It's been a position that's been a bit of a roller coaster for Ohio State in the past few years. Stephen, just very briefly, like, why did you want to start with this one? Why was this one the one that kind of captivated your interest? Yeah, I mean, we're not going to do quarterback. We know what the quarterback situation is, and so we can just move forward with that. Quinn Ewers is going to be the quarterback in 2022. I think running back is interesting, right, because Ohio State spent its first two classes under Ryan Day correcting some recruiting misses, Per se, you know, in 2020, it was getting the two quarter, top 100 quarterbacks. Jack Miller obviously didn't end up as that, but he has a top 100 talent just based off his arm. And then going to get C.J. Stroud. And then 2021, it was getting the two top 100 running backs and Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor. So the way you have to – when you do stuff like that, when you overcorrect, you, the way you approach the next class is it's, it's a little delicate especially at spots where if you're overcorrecting, you have to have a conversation with people, right? You don't bring in C.J. Stroud unless you've already talked to – at least without Jack Miller, at least knowing you're doing it. You don't bring in Evan Pryor and Travion Henderson unless both of those two guys are on board because one of those guys is, is eventually going to flip if that doesn't happen. And guys started to do that. Other teams tried to pit those two guys against each other to try to get one of them to not come to Ohio State. And so what does that mean for the 2022 class? What type of – running back do you go after can you just go after the number one running back in the country again obviously no you can't Ohio State's not doing that but at the same time it's got to be a guy who understands that he's coming into a crowded room 
And so that, that kind of limits your options a little bit. And so you don't have to be as delicate with the recruiting as you are with quarterbacks, but there is a delicacy to it when it's not normal to take two highly rated running backs in the same class. What are the effects in the year after that? So let's reach back a little bit, reset, and kind of set the stage for people. And all of our listeners probably know this, but I, I went back to 2017 and kind of did who was Ohio State recruited in that period. So 2017, mm-hmm. they get a four-star you guys all might have heard of by the name of J.K. Dobbins. He was number two all-purpose back in the country. We've talked before about how much we hate that term, but number 46 player overall in the country. You know, a borderline five-star guy who came here and delivered like a five-star, more or less. Certainly by the time his third year came around, running for 2,000 yards. They got a big payoff for recruiting out of that 2017 class at running back. 2018, they follow up. They get another four-star named Brian Sneed, number three over, number three running back, number 80 overall player in that class. And they got Master Teague, a four-star, number 11 at his position, 228 in the class. Sneed does not stick here at Ohio State, has off-field problems, um, and is gone pretty quickly, leaving Master Teague as the redshirt freshman in 2019 that ended up being the backup to J.K. Dobbins. 2019 class, they had two true freshmen, Steel Chambers, another four-star, number 11, uh, running back, 231 in the country, Marcus Crowley, four-star, number 26, running back, 370 in the country. So kind of a, a, a mid-level tier of guys. And, and I, that's an interesting question to ask, I suppose, if the, the success they were having with Dobbins, does that affect who they could get for 2019? What do you remember about like that juncture and, and how they were recruiting that class? They were, they just missed some guys, right? Penn State, I mean, we're talking about top two, top 100 running backs. Penn State did that with Devin Ford and Noah Kane in 2019. Trey Sanders was the number one running back. He ended up in Alabama. Samson James ended up in Indiana. Down the list, they just, you know, they, they just didn't have a good cycle. That's just how you want to put that. With that. Some things are that simple. 2020, and I know you'll get into who was actually on the roster, but that's where things get interesting because it felt like, You'd found your guy with guys like Bijan Robinson. That felt like a Ohio State silent commit for a long time. That felt like a guy that they had. There, there was their Travion Henderson, their five-star, number 15 player, number one running back in the country, who for all intents and purposes, if we just looked at how the running back was going at the beginning of last season, there's no reason why he shouldn't have been on the – he couldn't have been on the field as a true freshman and just had that role from the get-go. We saw what he did at Texas, especially towards the end of the season. It, was, it wasn't – the numbers weren't exactly Trey Sermon, but the impact was and how he was doing it. He was just doing it for Texas, so it wasn't always resulting in wins. They were in on Kendall Milton, but he ended up choosing Georgia. Uh, there was a Jalen Knighton, who was an all-purpose back, which we obviously, as you said, we're not really a fan of that term, but a borderline top 100 guy who ended up committing to Florida State, but then flipping to Miami. So with 2019, they just didn't have any wins. While with 2020, there were clear options that could have been Buckeyes and probably should have been Buckeyes who just for whatever reason ended up going elsewhere. And I left off all-purpose backs like Jalen Gill, who didn't play running back at Ohio right. State. He was technically an all-purpose back, but I just he was a slot receiver here, and I didn't include him. That 2019 group is interesting because – Yes, there were higher ranked guys who were going elsewhere. You didn't name anybody that I feel like would make Ohio State a lot better right now, right? Like, this seemed like it was just not a great class for running backs, maybe. And they got some guys in 2019 in Chambers and Crowley who were good flyers, I think. They haven't really panned out in terms of a big impact here, but they've done maybe what you would expect guys ranked in the two or 300s to do, especially with 
their first season being behind J.K. Dobbins and in the injuries that Marcus Crowley's run into. So as you said, 2020 was a year where they took some big swings, like multiple big swings, and missed on all three of them. And they get Mayan Williams, a three-star, number 45 running back, 627 in the country, a guy who was committed to Iowa State. Ohio State flips him to come, an in-state guy, flip him to stay home because they were semi, well, probably not even semi, just desperate to get some running back in that class. And right now, Mayan Williams looks like a success story. It looked like filler at the time, but he's a guy who is probably going to be in the mix for snaps at maybe to even start on opening day when you looked at the way things played out this spring. I don't know what the long-term fit is there, if he has like a high-impact long-term fit, but Mayan Williams right now looks like a different kind of success story, not grabbing a five-star or borderline like J.K. Dobbins and watching him run for 2,000 yards, but getting a three-star and maybe getting more out of him than you expected in the long run. And then that led, though, into what 2021 is, which is a year where they, again, had to swing big again, but had to hit. They had to land guys. And they get Trevion Henderson, the number one running back in the country, a five-star, number 22 player overall, and they get Evan Pryor, a four-star, the number two all-purpose back, whatever, but 82 um, overall player. And that has added a new level of health to this room, not like physical health. I'm talking about just like the emotional health of the fan base, mm -hmm. <laughs> giving them not just the stability of today, uh, because you still had, I mean, there would have been some measure of stability even without a player of Trevor Henderson's impact. You would have had Master Teague. You'd have had Chambers and Crowley and Mayan Williams. They would have cobbled together some sort of group of running backs to to be on this to be the rushing attack for this team. But adding Trevor Henderson and then Evan Pryor looks like more of a long term project at this point. Like he's probably not going to have, we don't think, a big 2021 impact. But with the Henderson coming in, that has sort of reset expectations both in the short and long term. Yeah, definitely rejuvenate some things. One because. Listen, I mean, they have a guy where you feel comfortable starting him, even if, you know, it's not until the end of the season. Maybe it's gradual, but the ups, the, the ups, the ceiling was raised by adding a guy like Travion Henderson in year one. And then the ceiling is, it can stay raised going forward because Travion's only a freshman and Evan Pryor's only going to continue to develop. Now, as we, you, we just went through that history of how things worked here, right? Uh, the Brian Sneed thing, you can't plan for that. A guy had an off-the-field issue. That is what it is. But let's just be up. So, but it happened. So you had this a, a similar situation if you take away Evan Pryor where you went and got a Travion Henderson level back in J.K. Dobbins, and then things fell apart. For why they fell apart, that does, the point is they fell apart. You just reset yourself. You just went and got the J.K. Dobbins, Travion Henderson back again. So now – Look, we look forward to 2022, uh, 2023. Obviously, the things will pick up slower there because we're coming out of a pandemic and whatnot. But in 2022, how do you respond? You just went and got a top 50 running back who you feel like can help your team right now. But that doesn't mean you can just have misses and shortcomings once again in the recruiting because you swung this, you swung big this time and made it. You got You might not. You might not have to hit a home run, you know, all world running back, but you got to at least get on base. How big was the 2021 class for Tony Alford? I think in some ways the criticism – I think it, it was fair criticism because we, again, only judged these guys based on the Ohio State standard. And the Ohio State standard is not that you go two recruiting classes at a key position and not get anyone ranked higher than 231 
nationally. And really, if you include 2018, it's, you know, Snead didn't work out, but some measure of that goes on the recruiting process as well. So if you include 2018, that was three classes in a row where you didn't get anybody at, at that position ranked 228 or higher, or ranked higher than 228. So that's not the Ohio State standard. How much do you think he needed to kind of nail 2021 just for his own um, reputation? I don't think is the right word, but just sort of the, the, him being able to kind of bring that stability back to the room. Yeah, I think when we did BF when we did the BFF pod on recru- on the re- ranking the assistant coaches as recruiters with other positions, his name kept coming up, right? And so it's maybe you thought he was doing a terrible job, just like no, he's one of the top four best recruiters on his team, and and we show that because he's always helping everybody else out. I think I don't want to say validation isn't the word, but every coach has their way of going about things on the recruiting trail. I mean, Larry Johnson is probably the most hands-on coach on this assistant coaching staff in the sense that if you can get it, get a kid on campus, get him around Larry Johnson, show you exactly why I develop first round NFL draft picks and big 10 defensive player of the years that helps. It always helps, right? That always raises the chances that you're going to get a player. I think Tony Alfred's style just didn't work for two, for two cycles. And sometimes you just need it. You need whatever your formula, whatever your style of going about things, whatever it is in life. Sometimes you just need to pay off, right? To let you know that, all right, this still works. What I'm still, what I'm doing is still really good. And for two cycles, it didn't work. And so he didn't change his approach. He did the exact same things he did in 2020. It's just that this time it worked, which I think put fans at ease for him. It probably didn't do much. Just, I mean, the way he talks to us, it seems like, I didn't do anything different. This time somebody said yes. And last time somebody said no, that's all it was. But I think from a fan's perspective, it does put you at ease that he does indeed know what he's doing, even if for two cycles it didn't work out the same way for whatever those reasons were. But there were also comments from Ryan Day in that same Mm -hmm. period that insinuated that they had to get running back right. They had to, like, they had to fix that. And it it appears they have. So we're going to come back from the break. We're going to talk about what comes next for Tony Alford and Ohio State at the running back position. You were listening to Buckeye Talk. Okay, so I ran down who Ohio State has recruited since 2017. The thing is, right now, there are six scholarship running backs in that room. As we sit here recording this on, we're actually on Wednesday morning, May 5th, 2021, year of our Lord, Doug Lamerys. <laughs> they have six scholarship running backs right now on the roster and they could still have those same six guys back for 2022. I think it's unlikely that all six of those guys would come back. Even if there were not some sort of transfer attrition, I think someone like master Teague, this is his fourth year in the program. He's in grad school. You wonder how long, if that guy stays around for a fifth year or not, he'll probably have because of his, you know, physical abilities, there may be some professional opportunities there for him. So I would not necessarily expect him back for 2022, but it could happen. You could have all six of those guys back if they decided they wanted to be back. So does Ohio State need a running back in the 2022 class, especially because Mayan Williams will only be a junior going into next year? And actually, I have to think back. I mean, technically, his everything is screwed up right now from an eligibility standpoint because 2020 didn't count towards anybody, but worst case, he's a junior going into 2022. Trevin Henderson will be a sophomore. We expect him to play a lot this year. Evan Pryor will either be a sophomore or redshirt freshman. Does Ohio state need a running back in the 2022 class? Yes. 
Um, I, I, and you're right. Yeah, the, everything's thrown off because the NCAA decided it was a great idea to give every human being on a, on a roster extra year eligibility instead of just that group of seniors, which would have been – I don't – I mean, that's like the easiest fix in the world, just give that group of seniors an extra year. But whatever. I don't think that many players will start to take advantage of it. Or they'll be – or if they, if they try, a coaching staff might be like, eh, that's fine, but we don't, like, really have a spot for you. I think the train gets back to moving and things get back to, back to normal over these next couple of years because, yes, Mayan Williams will only technically be a junior and will technically still have two years left of eligibility. But, dude, you, you, you have a chance here to play four years of legitimate college football where every single year – you played in a national championship or played in a college football playoff. You didn't get robbed of anything. Got, you know, legend that 2020 recruiting class can't say that the same way that the 2017 and 2016 recruiting class could, would have been able to say about having their final year wrecked. So I think they'll be fine on that note, but also, yeah, I just think you need a running back every single year. It's not like with why I don't know if it's like wide receiver where it's like, you got to go get the five-star every year or the way Ryan day wants to recruit quarterbacks. And obviously as we've talked about, we'll see if this strategy keeps up after Quinn yours gets here and, and steals a job away, but they want the five-star number one quarterback in the country every single year. I don't know if it has to be like that, but you do have to have a running back every single year. And I think depending on what, what you did in the class before and also what your roster looks like is where that guy has to fall from a caliber standpoint. So who is Ohio State pursuing? I guess more before you answer specifically about that, did you see them in this 22 class go after the elite of the elite at running back? Or do you think the roster dynamics affected the caliber of player they're recruiting for 2022? And it's not that they're not – I mean, if the, if the best running back in the country wanted to come here, I suppose they would take him. But have you seen it affect, you think, the tier of guys that they've gone after in 2022? To an extent, yes. What helps is that Emmanuel Henderson, the number one running back in the country, number 28 player, is from Alabama. So guess where he's going? You know, so that, 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 that helps you out a little bit. Uh, they, went, they, only, they offer 10 guys, and only three of them are top 100 recruits, and that's Gavin Sichuk, who's a crystal ball to Oklahoma. He's from Colorado, the number two running back, number 42 player. Jadon Blue, who's from Texas, the number three running back, number 48 player. Guess where he's going? Uh, and then Nicholas Singleton, who, uh, who is on the list of guys that we'll, we'll need to get into more here in a little bit, the number 99 player, the number seven running back, who's had some crystal balls at Penn State for a while. But also he's told uh, one of our stringers that, you know, at one point, this was months ago, back before some things have I've since clearly changed, but there was a point where it was Ohio State versus Penn State is the two-man race for Nicholas Singleton. And it seems like things have changed since then. Do you expect them to get one of those people, or is it is a, is it a broader list of candidates than that? No, it's a much broader list of candidates. I would I honestly don't expect them to get either one of those three guys. Those are just the three top one hundred guys are after. I don't think either any of those guys are going to be Buckeyes. Katron Allen, he's had some crystal balls for Alabama, but he's one twenty four. Uh, you got Amari Amarion Hampton, one thirty six, number ten player. He'll be on campus on June twenty fifth, so that's a guy to keep an eye on because I mean you're getting a kid on campus that's there's like some there could be some serious momentum that comes out of that you've got Rayshon Luke is the guy I think I'm most interested in right now I think because some things have maybe gone a little south with Nicholas Singleton or maybe they've cooled mutually and how that's gone he's he's from California St. John Bosco same high school as Wyatt Davis there are a lot of guys from that uh Court Williams went there but there are a lot of guys from St. John Bosco right now who are getting Ohio State offers out of California he's got a crystal ball to USC 
I don't think that lasts right now. He also doesn't have an Ohio State offer, but that communication has started to pick up over the last couple of weeks here. So that's a guy where top 200 kid, uh, good alley to live in, where it's like that kid's probably not going to come in in Ohio State looking at what that room is and thinking, oh, I'm going to steal the starting job next year, but he's a quality guy to add to your room. Obviously, Dallin Hayden will be here on June 18th, the number two. 2025 player, the number 22 running back. He was crystal ball to Tennessee for a while, but it looks like Ohio State's starting to steal some of that momentum. He, he came up already on a self-guided visit, so now he'll get a chance to come on a real visit. But then the guy that is most interesting is Damari Alston. He's 311 and a number 29 running back, but I think he's better than what that ranking is. And there's always guys in the 200s and 300s they're probably better than what their rankings are. But real high on Ohio State, he's told our stringers at times that, he, that Ohio State's told him he's number one on their board and whatnot. He's the guy that's interesting out of Georgia because he's got a really great relationship with a lot of the commits already. And it seems like that's the type of kid where if you get him on campus, you might see some crystal ball start popping up. I think it's an interesting dynamic because, as we're, you're saying, you know, when you've got Travion Henderson sitting here, when you've got Evan Pryor sitting alongside or potentially one class behind him, depending on how playing time wiggles out this year, and maybe maybe Pryor plays a lot of special teams and ends up not having to redshirt, whatever. But yeah. you've got two guys there who are going to be here through at least 2023. So I would assume that that would make it tough, even if you had like that five-star amazing guy there that might make it tough to get him but that you're probably going after one of those guys for 2023 right like doesn't 2023 recruiting change a little bit where now you do start to look at trying to get an elite type guy so you have to get the right fit of a guy who wants to come here and compete but knows that there could be a ceiling there right and right that's where things get it but they've already offered two guys in that class one of them being the number one running back in the country Richard Young out of Florida, they're heavy in Florida in 2023 right now. Florida's got 13 offers. Nobody else has four, more than four. No other state does. And then Justin, Justice Haynes, the number 62 player, the number three running back. But like, it's early, right? I, I, it's, it's hard to tell with the 2023 class right now because so much has been thrown off because that whole class lost a whole year of just being seen and evaluated by coaches scouting services by everybody. And then there's some guys who just haven't played varsity football yet, right? So that throws it off a little bit. But I, I, don't, I, I don't think so. I think not to get into the same semantics that we get into with, Ohio, with the quarterback, where it's, hey, you should go after one every other year. But I won't be surprised if that's when you do it because let's just, for the sake of having a conversation, they get here and Travion Henderson's a junior, right? And you're expecting that kid to be a three-and-done guy. So it's, hey – it's, it's Travion Henderson's the man. He's the guy as the number one running back in the country in his third year who's probably ready to go compete for a Doak Walker award and then go be a first-round pick or a second-round pick depending on what the need at quarterback, uh, running back is that year, excuse me. And so then, listen, you, now you've got two years to go be the man and you're going to sit for a year. Maybe you're in a backup role or a spell role or whatever. Or it's like Alabama where it's a train, right, where Najee Harris didn't play much as a freshman. Now he's a first-round pick, Doak Walker Award winner, and that's because Alabama has great running backs all the time. So maybe that's how you approach this. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if in 2023, given how they're recruiting the 2022 running backs, is when you see them try to swing big again. And I would think it's got to be tough for these guys for what you can and think you will go after in 2023 to some extent does probably affect what you're doing for 2022 uh, to some extent. Uh, you, you You have to kind of – live in the moment a little bit, obviously, but it, it's hard to sometimes maybe evaluate what you really need for 2023 um, because 
2022 still has a lot of question marks in some ways. Like that, that class was also fouled up a little bit. Which is why when you ask the question, does Ohio State need a running back in 2022? Yes, for a lot of different reasons. One, because you just need a running back in 2022. That's news number one. Number two, it's because it kind of shapes how you go after things in 2023. Why did Ohio why, – why are we sitting here talking about how big of a, a cycle it was for Tony Offer when he got Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor, but especially Travion Henderson, the number one running back in the country? Well, because of how the last two cycles went where you didn't get a caliber – you got – you didn't even get the guy in between. It's not like you got Evan Pryor and then you went and got Travion Henderson in the next class. No, no, no. You got the, you know, a guy ranked where Dallin Hayden and Demari Austin were ranked two classes in a row. Dude, you need a talent influx like right now who's ready to go. You can't have just running back skill positions. It can't be all developmental guys. You've got to have a mixture of both. Unless we're talking about quarterback where it's different. So when you've got developmental guys, two classes in a row, you need a dude who can come in. We're talking about whether he can steal a job or not. So right now – how they're recruiting 2022 where it's clearly they're probably getting a developmental guy or a guy who's just not from the outside looking in isn't expected to have much of a role as a true freshman you probably need to go get the polar opposite in the next class or at least somewhere you know middle ground of that you know what Ohio State could use is a really good running back to pop up at like Olentangy Orange or uh, Hilliard. I mean, they've been getting it at, you know, defensive end. They've been getting it at other positions. And I know that Jalen Gill was local, but again, he wasn't going to be a college running back. Like they, they haven't had one of those local guys pop up and really explode the way they have at seemingly like every other position. Which is interesting, right? Because, I mean, you understand why there's not a lot of quarterbacks in Ohio because they don't have spring football and there's like not a lot of elite passing offenses in the, in the Midwest. I mean, that's just not normal. But in Ohio, people run the ball. It's smash mouth football. So you would expect those high caliber running backs to pop up. But you're right. They never seem to do it. It's mostly defensive ends, uh, offensive linemen. And that's just what it is. And maybe the occasional linebacker like Reed Carrico. Yeah, it's like other than maybe defensive back, because defensive back seems like one where they've had to really rely on national recruits too. But yeah. running back might be like – Number two there, like you, you, everybody that you get, everybody you look down this list, it's, it's um, Tennessee and Texas and Virginia and North Carolina. Like they've been regional somewhat, but, but definitely not like in the Big Ten footprint that they've been getting the impact players at that position. And it's when was the last time Ohio State had a guy from in-state that like really blew it up? That's a wonderful question. Long before us. If Doug was here, he could tell us, yeah. but it's, it's been before our time for sure. Um, probably Beanie Wells. Yeah, I was going to say, probably Beanie yeah, would be the last Heist. one. <laughs> so yeah. basically the highest rated running back Ohio State's ever had. <laughs> one of these guys that you were talking about for 2022 actually is from Cleveland High School, but in North Carolina. So maybe that'll count as like the local guy that they get at that position finally after, after years. Do you see, when you look at who they're recruiting, is there a common denominator you think right now in the kind of running back that Ohio State wants because you see that at other positions right like Kerry Combs likes his like big cornerbacks mm -hmm. and 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 Brian Hartline is kind of starting to get a type of sorts at receiver in that he wants somebody who's versatile and able to to do a lot of things not somebody who's maybe pigeonholed into one position and um, is there something that you see any common threads you see at running back outside of Rayshon Luke they're all 
they all lean towards what Travion Henderson is. I, I'm, I'm, I love that they've got Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor as two polar opposite guys where you're trying to develop the other side of it. But Evan Pryor being a guy who came – who's a receiving back, let's just be honest. And the, the offense he came, he came from and William Hughes, they threw the ball to him a lot, which is why for the term all-purpose back, he actually plays that role as an all-purpose back while Travion Henderson is a between-the-tackles back. Everybody – Outside of Rayshon Luke out of St. John Bosco's fits that between the tackles type of back where they're, you know, 5'10", 5'11", 6 foot, 205 pounds. They're still going to put some weight on and they're kind of bell callish, right? But then you've got Rayshon Luke who's only 5'8", he's 160 pounds. So they're probably not using him the same way because you don't want to punish a guy who's 5'8", 160 pounds the same way you want to lay that type of punishment on a guy who's 5'11", 205 pounds. And so that's a good way to put it. Rayshon Luke leans more towards what Evan Pryor is and will need to develop the between the tackle stuff while guys like Dallin Hayden, Damari Alston, Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen lean, especially Katron Allen, he's 220 pounds. They lean more towards Travion Henderson and will probably need to develop some of the pass stuff, especially like the pass pro and the check down stuff, basically. 58160, is he going to be able to come here and be a, a real running back? <laughs> that's a well, I mean that's a fair uh, question I mean that's no, like, it's a that's, fair question uh, those are the guys I, that used to get turned into H-backs yeah I, I think I think he'll be fine I think he'll clearly put he's at the right program to put the right amount of weight on and to be he, I, I think he'll be fine I, I, I think yeah I'll say yes because J.K. Dobbins was only like 5'8 now he was probably 200 pounds but yeah I think his frame can put the weight on that's the real question more than it is the height so we laid out the candidates you think Ohio State will get a commitment by the end of the summer at running back? And do you think it's just one for this class? I think it's just one, yes. And I'm just going to right now bank on like five or six or seven commitments in July. So I just meant at running back. You think they'll be Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm going to throw the running – well, there there are some positions where I'm not going to throw into that July thing because I think it just might take longer. Running back is on that list of things that I think might come in July, especially because a lot of these guys are going to end up getting on campus around that time. So, yeah, I think the running back comes in July, maybe early August. But, yes, I do think one of those guys will end up in the class. That's where the running backs stand. Like I said, we're going to do one of these every week for a while just to kind of give people an indication of where the class is going. We're going to come back from the break and talk about the other recruiting news that already happened this week for Ohio State and what is going to follow that in the next uh, couple months. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk, BFFs. We had a whole third segment recorded in the bag. And immediately as we were done recording this, we recorded a day early on Wednesday for some scheduling reasons. And as soon as we're done recording, like basically as we are recording that, Ryan Turner is on the phone with someone at Ohio State committing to the Buckeyes. The 12th commitment in the class, three-star out of Hollywood, Florida, cornerback. It's the second three-star defensive back Ohio State has gotten out of Florida this week since Sunday. So two and four days. So I guess, Stephen, let's start there. Before we get into the specifics of Turner, just what does the, this recent trend of grabbing these three-star guys mean? Because I know that that's something fans see, and I think they look at the recruiting rankings sometimes and they make big assumptions based on that. What did, Do you see a trend here? Is it coincidental? What does it mean? Yeah. 
um, it's 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 a little bit of two things. One, it's 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 obviously some of these guys are going to hit. We saw with the offensive linemen a little bit in that 2020 class when they took some lower rated guys, expecting one of those guys to hit. But also, there's a long game with corners. I think your your high end is pretty good here in this class. Like as I mentioned before, when we had. Look at us trying to get ahead of things, and we end up having to redo it anyway. Look, shame on us for trying to be ahead of the curve. You've got Jaheim Singletary, the five-star guy that you're expecting to have an impact in year two be in a situation where he should be starting, right? You've got Jair Brown, who to a lesser extent, as a borderline top 100 guy, is in that same vein. In the 2021 class, you've got Ja'Kalen Johnson, and you've got Jordan Hancock. Basically, if your name begins with J, by your sophomore year, you should be helping this team on the field as an Ohio State cornerback. You've got guys who are ready now. That's what that's you have that. But you can't just have a room full of those guys because as we're seeing in the wide receiver room, all top end talent, as great as it is, is going to be attrition. So there's a mixture here of listen. So one of these guys might rise between Grice Stokes and Ryan Turner, but. Both of them probably aren't going to do that. Not everybody's going to be the Jackson Smith, the Jigba, or the Keon Gray story where they start out low, but by signing day, they're a top 50 guy. That's not everybody's story. So you need both. You need guys who are ready now, but you also need the long game, especially at corner, at that position, but especially with the way Ohio State wants to run its defense now where it's probably more of a 4-2-5 where there's an extra defensive back on the field who's a hybrid. You need more different types of defensive backs other than just a guy who in year two you're expecting to be on his way to big all big 10 all-american status so i don't look at ohio state's scholarship chart for the next two years and think man they really got needed to get some more cornerbacks for this class necessarily some of that mm-hmm. is there are some things with jerry brown that i think are still a little bit up in the air right like uh, as far as commitments go he's probably on more of the the lukewarm end of the spectrum at least the way we've talked in the past i don't know where he stands right now but even even if even if that's true, they have seven guys who are either redshirt or true freshmen that are projected to play cornerback that are on the roster this fall. And then you're now going to have, now you have three commitments projected to play corner for 2022. So with that in mind, which is again, why it's important to get a prospect who buys into the long view as much as Ohio state having the long view itself, you have to get a guy who understands that, you know, be honest with the guy and he understands it and sees where he might be in four years as opposed to where he is in the fall of 2022. But where does Ryan Turner fit? Why do they like Ryan Turner? Where does he fit into this group? I mean, he looks the part of what Kerry Combs wants, right? He's six foot, 180 pounds. He's got room to put on some weight. He's got the long, he looks the part of what Kerry Combs wants in a corner. But two things come to mind when I think of the way they're recruiting defensive backs with these type of guys. And I'll throw Kai Stokes in here as well, because it's the same concept here. When you're playing more defensive backs, what does it mean for the linebacker room when you're only playing two of those guys and they're both inside linebackers, one being a Will, one being a Mike? Do you just need more corners? And does that then affect how you approach recruiting the linebackers? Where we've been talking about with linebacker, oh, are they going to take four linebackers? Well, now it's like, I mean, you've got two guys. Maybe you take a third, but let's just put that focus toward the defensive backs. With this guy, this is what Damon Arnett was. Let's just be honest here. Damon Arnett was a guy in the mid-300s to 400s, a guy who needed all five years to turn into – Damon Arnett was in the 600s. Yeah, he was a, yeah, even yeah, even lower than that. But the point of the fact that that was a guy who needed all five years, and even then we were still looking at it like, 
how on earth was this guy a first-round draft pick? But that idea of – that's probably what you sell to a guy like that. Yeah, three-star guy in the six, at 653, which is literally what Kai Stokes is right now at 675 and what Ryan Turner was around when he initially got involved with Ohio State. That's who you sell to these kids. It's like, listen, I, I, I can sell Jeff Okuda to Jaheim Singletary. I, I can sell, you know, Marshawn Lattimore to Ja'Kalen Johnson and Jordan Hancock. I can't sell you that because you aren't that when you get here. But I can sell you Denzel Ward, who was in the 300s or 400s or 500s and what, whatnot. I can sell you D- Damon Arnett. That's who, though, you – Kerry Combs can sell this from a lot of different angles. And so that's where a guy like Ryan Turner, for where he is currently ranked and where Kai Stokes is currently ranked, that's where they fit into the equation is it's the long game, but at the end of the day, you're still a first-rounder. That's essentially what I wrote in my recap of, of, of uh, like what this means that we get up right after the commitment. And the, the Arnett connection is an interesting one. Like that's Arnett is from Fort Lauderdale, which is right there near – North of Holly, North of Miami, same way Hollywood is. So that's a guy that I'm sure Ryan Turner was familiar with. I'm sure it's a name that was specifically brought up in his commitment from the Ohio State coaches. And we've talked before about this this concept of when Ohio State's recruiting lower ranked guys, when it's an in-state guy and they're pulling some offensive linemen out of the the 500s or whatever, that typically tells us that's a guy who they think of as a long-term developmental guy who can be a depth piece to the end of his career. Maybe he, maybe he never rises above a backup slash special teams role and everybody's fine with that. Everybody's ecstatic about that. That's what everybody's buying into. When they go get a guy who doesn't have any really obvious Ohio ties from Florida, who's a three-star to me, that usually signifies they think they found something. They think they found a little bit of a diamond in a rough. Go ask Kerry Combs about Damon Arnett. And he's going to tell you, he already has told stories about, watching him play basketball and stuff and like realizing that there was an athlete there that other people had just missed on that they believed in, you know, Ohio state believe this if you want to or not, but their coaches talk a lot about whatever the recruiting rankings say is a little bit meaningless to them. They go on their own evaluations. They have their own rankings and their own way of grading guys. And this seems like another example of that where they see a guy regardless of what, how far he climbs in the rankings, because that's out of everybody's control to some extent and doesn't actually matter in terms of what the player turns out to be. Um, regardless of what happens there, I think Ohio State thinks it found somebody who could make an impact. Or I don't think they would go to Florida and get somebody like this if they didn't feel that. And also, even with these lower-ranked guys, pay attention to who Ohio State is battling for him, right? Because if they're battling the, – if they were battling Miami – for him right now, just given what Miami is, then you're going, eh, I don't know. I, I, did you really – I mean, you, you should win that. It's Miami and you're Ohio State. This isn't the U of 2000 or the 80s. That was a battle between Ohio State and Clemson. And, that, I mean, they, Ohio State and Clemson have had their, their battles over the years. They're smaller ones. This is another one. If Clemson wants this guy, another team who is in the tier that Ohio State is supposedly in – now, obviously, Boston College was a part of that as well, but he made it a point to go on self-guided visits in April to go see Columbus and then go see Clemson. And then he left those visits and he told our Kyle Kelly, I'm, I feel like I'm ready. I feel like I'm ready to make a decision. He compared uh, Columbus to South Beach, which, I mean, look, kid, <laughs> you're going to find he out in January that it's not, it's not, it's, it's not he compared, South Beach. 
he compared the nightlife on High Street to South Beach, which I still yeah. think is a stretch. But he it's wasn't comparing like no, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, UDF on a but... corner in the middle of the day to South Street. Yeah, but but still, with that being said, you're in it for a rude awakening when you get up here in January, kid. This is not South Beach in any yeah, way, maybe. shape, or form. But to that to the point of the matter, he made it a point to go see those schools at a time when you can't actually. Now he'll be back up here on June 11th, so he'll come back. Time as a commit, but he made it a point to go, I'm going to go see this program who's competing for national championships and this program who's competing for national championships. And he left both of those places thinking, you know, Ohio State's where I want to be at. That's what matters most, right? The rating matters, yes. The stars matter and all that stuff matters. But also, when we are talking about these lower-rated guys who might be late bloomers or might be diamonds in the rough, pay attention to who else is looking at them because that will tell you whether or not that's the true, true case or not. Ohio State and Clemson were the top two contenders for him. He also had a visit scheduled for Penn State, which maybe he still takes it or not. I know that how that goes. Mm-hmm. But he, Penn State was also in the mix. And the fourth team that was heavily in the mix, Boston College. Now, that may seem like a weird fourth member of the quartet to some of our listeners. But remember who Boston College's head coach is. The guy who used to be the defensive coordinator and secondary coach at Ohio State, Jeff Halfley. Like, that was almost further evidence of what you're talking about to me, was that there, mm-hmm. that was – another program that you should take it seriously if that program is recruiting a guy at a position that you want. Yeah, because that's a guy Jeff Halfley would have targeted if he was – he'd still be an Ohio State guy today. Right now, if Kerry Combs was not here and Jeff Halfley would have stayed. So that doesn't – yeah, pay, once again, that's what matters here. Pay, it's When they're lower-ranked guys, you got to pay attention to what those offers are. And when they start rolling in, with Kai Stokes – Ohio State offered, but it was a part of the bunch, and you started to see the ball get rolling a little bit. With this kid, it, it the ball had already been rolling, but Ohio State probably sped that up a little bit more. But also, Kerry Combs is Kerry Combs, and he's doing some work down in Florida right now. Uh, things can change once guys get here, and if you don't play, I think that can start to wear. So I'm not going to pretend that, especially when you're far away from home, that the development developmental thing always works out. But I will say, from you mentioned Kyle Kelly, and, and he had a report from just a couple weeks ago from talking to mm-hmm. um, Ryan Turner. And Turner was pointing out things from his recruitment, like Matt Barnes uh, doing a film study with him and showing him not just what was good, but what was bad. Like, hey, here's why we like you, but here's what you've got to go get better at. And that was something that he seemed to really embrace. Like, he was talking about the developmental side of things. And I think he seems like a guy who has some perspective on – regardless of what the rankings are, they are sometimes rankings for a reason. He's got some growth that he needs to do and seems to be buying into that. And I think that's also important. And I think that's probably something that Ohio State probably gets a feel for over this process. Like if you're recruiting a three-star guy who has a chip on their shoulder, but, but thinks they don't need to go prove something that's maybe not, uh, doesn't have as much value for you as a guy who is ready to work and ready to learn. Yeah, you know what? It, it, it's it's setting the expectation for right now. And I'm guaranteeing you the way they're talking to Ryan Turner about it isn't the way they're talking to Jaheim Singletary about it. It isn't the same way they're talking to Kai Stokes about it. Maybe Kai Stokes and Turner are maybe a little bit more similar, where it is more there are some developmental things that need to happen for you to get on the field here. I'm thinking about, you know, Jalen Johnson in the in the 2021 class, who's, who we think is going to be another bullet Kind of the same thing here. There's, it's the long game. Listen, there's going to be some developmental years before you get on the field unless you come out of nowhere like Marvin Harrison and your body looks 20 times different than what they thought it was going to look like when you arrived on campus. There's going to be a developmental part. So how about 
Let's get you in the class right now, and let's start that. We, Larry Johnson talks about that. All the, it's, the more you get these guys on campus, the earlier you can start that development. We saw that with Jack Sawyer at a five-star level. These guys can't get on campus until June, but you can at least start the film study part of this element right now, especially at Corner, where the faster you move these guys along before you get on campus, the better, because you're out there on an island, and that's part of the reason Kerry Combs doesn't want young guys out there. But if you can speed up this development with these film studies, and then when they get on campus in June, that helps your program that much more. Real quick, and we're going to do some of these like uh, prospect breakdowns like we did with the running backs. We're going to do those at other positions, so we don't want to We'll get to cornerback. We're going to get to the other defensive backs eventually. But real quickly, for the rest of this 2022 class, what happens with defensive backs going forward? Obviously, the, the, the free safety is the big priority, I would think, at this point. Yeah, Xavier Numpa is still top priority there when you're talking about free safeties and you throw Zion Branch in there as well. Those are two top 100 guys who are expected to be here this summer. Xavier from Iowa, so it would be like in the same vein as a Josh Proctor, a guy where you don't have any recruiting presence or footprint whatsoever, and you just go in there and you get that one top 100 safety. Josh Proctor out of Oklahoma, Xavier out of Iowa. And then from the defense, I mean, you've got three corners now, so do you want to get greedy? Do you want to go get Toriano Pride, who's a, top, a borderline top 100 guy, and now you've got – now you've got four corners in this class. Yeah, that, that's the question here. Do you want to just put all your focus into getting those single high safeties, even if it means bringing two of those guys in and Toriano Proud and Xavier Nupa? Or do you also want to get greedy a little bit and add a fourth corner? And Toriano Proud is probably at the top of that list right now, if they do. So that's what to keep an eye on in the weeks ahead. We'll be back with another BFF next week, wrapping up any other developments that have happened. And also, like I said, continuing this sort of position-by-position look at what's coming up for Ohio State. It's white-knuckle time now. In the next 36 hours, do we have to re-re-record this <laughs> with another commitment coming in? Or will, will we be able to fly through until 3 a.m. Friday morning when this thing usually goes live? We'll see. But for Stephen Means, I'm Nathan Baird. That was Buckeye Talk.